Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. The Athletic. Totally Football League show. This week, Bruce's baggies beaten by blades. Derby ramp up the pressure on Reading. Forrest and Cooperman continue to soar up the table. In League One, the Black Cats' bad luck continues. And still, we wait for a manager announcement with one turning it down. And in League Two, the relegation battle is back on. In association with Paddy Power, this is the Totally Football League show. Hello and welcome along to this latest ride through the EFL. I'm Faker Rothers here to guide you through all the midweek action. Uh, joining us is former Southend star Adrian Clark. How are you doing, Adrian? Hello, Faye. I'm all right. I, I played five aside for the mm. first time in about six years last night. So I every part of me is in bits. But I will soldier on. Sorry? Have you still got it? Oh, not really. I scored a few. I scored a few goals, a couple of nutmegs. That was. I, I was happy with that. Yeah, I'll take yeah. it. Yeah, you must be happy with South End's form as well at the minute. Eight games unbeaten, pretty impressive. Definitely. Yeah, it might be a couple of years before they're back in the uh, EFL, though. Sadly, but yeah, they're, they're heading the right way. Yeah, certainly are. Fresh from a trip to the seaside as well to see Bournemouth in action. It's Sam Parkin. Any shrimp in the uh, Cherries press box, Sam? Um, no, I had a pat pat lunch. A wrap. It was very nice. It was very, yeah, it was like going to, um, I don't know, like going to the science museum or something when, nice. you were, when you were 12. I had a banana and then I had like a, a little cereal bar on the way out of the ground. So, yeah, it was, it, was li- it was literally like, yeah, the days I used to play five a side. There's different levels of pack lunch, aren't there? You know, did it have a trio? Did it have a Viscount in there? Those are the kind of questions we want to know. Or a club. No, bev- no beverage, no Five Alive, no Umbongo. That's where they're falling down. What was the other one? The um, uh, Sunny Delight. <laughs> Let's give Capri Sun. Capri Sun, that's it. Amazing. Okay. Uh, there was a whole host of Football League action this week, so let's kick off in the Championship. We all enjoy the sport we call the beautiful game. But since I've retired... I've discovered an ugly, even darker side to the sport we love. Join me as Jamie Redknapp investigates. Thanks, Jamie. We'll take it from here. Join Jamie Redknapp for Jamie Investigates, the football mockumentary series. Watch on Paddy Power's Twitter. This week, Jamie Investigates, people who still call the Premier League the Premiership. Do you know the truth? Paddy Power. 
18 plus, Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an Athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. Right, results and ramifications. That's what we should uh, call this section, really. And before we get into any of it, uh, a question which might have a little bit of recency bias, but... Is this the best playoff race we've seen in a while? I mean, one point separates 10th to 6th. It's crazy. And of course, Luton up there as well. Just uh, shoehorning that in early doors, by the way, Adrian. (laughs) Well, they have to consider themselves in the race, I think. We do. I think the the top 14, I think down to, I think Millwall are too far. But from anyone with 41 points, um, at least, has to consider themselves in with a shout, don't they? Um, I think Bournemouth are up 55. So it's 14 points separating uh, second um, all the way down to lower mid-table. So, yeah, it could it could turn out to be one of the best ever. I have to say, and I don't want to pour you know too much cold water on it, I think it's down to the fact that the championship is really weak this year. It, it it's full oh, I of. I hate it when people say that. It is though. It is. Look at Fulham. Look how they're smashing everyone. It's um. It, that's a sign of of how bad a lot of the teams are. I just don't think it's strong this year. We've got one, you know, one front runner that's that's head and shoulders, and and the rest. There's not that much between them, but it, it's brilliant for for entertainment, for the neutrals, for the excitement between now and the end of the season. We did a feature a few weeks ago, Faye, where you had to pluck a team that's going to be in the Premier League in 2025, I think it was, and I went nice. for Luton. Well done. So I've I've sold them ridiculously short, haven't I, if they make it in six months' time three, after we three had years the, short. the discussion. <laughs> but no, I do agree with, with Clarkie there. He's, he's, he's raised a good point. But I think because we've got so many surprise packages, that's what's making it so exciting. Who would have thought that Huddersfield would be where they, were, they are? Blackburn as well. And of course you know, Luton Town. And, and then you've got some some clubs that are in disarray that have got their acts mm. together with some brilliant managerial changes, i.e. Middlesbrough and, and Nottingham Forest, who uh, the form teams really in the division and Sheffield United. We can't discount them who are, who are coming up very strong. No, and we're going to start off with them actually because they were 2-0 winners over West Bromwich Albion last night, Adrian. Steve Bruce is in, but the new manager bounce didn't quite greet the Boing Boing Baggies, did it, as they lost to uh, Sheffield United, thanks to a Billy Sharp double. He's looking very good, as always. Oh, yeah, Billy Sharp's on fire, isn't he, at the moment, uh, as are the no, team. On 20... fire. No, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I think they've got 25 points from 10, 10 matches, uh, Sheffield United. If they keep this up, and if everyone else keeps dropping points... Sheffield United could could go up into the automatics by the end of the season. That seven clean sheets from eleven as well. So both ends of the pitch, they're they're absolutely flying. And um, from from Steve Bruce's point of view, uh, he was hamstrung, wasn't he? But by Livermore's red card, which was it was a poor challenge, really ill judged, reckless for a player of his experience and. So it's a get out of jail card, I think, for Steve Bruce and the players to some degree because yeah, no one would have expected them to win with, with 10 men. What interested me was was the tactics. Um, 4 2 3 1. So he moved away from the back three, which I think he kind of had to do. 
when you're a new manager, when the new guy has been so unpopular, I think it's almost compulsory that you try something different in that first game. Imagine if he'd have just gone with the same system. I don't think the fans would have liked that. So, and they didn't look good. I think the centre halves were poor. Uh, Clark and Ajayi not great in the game. The whole back four looked a bit edgy, and and I think that's quite normal when you've trained for you know the last I don't know nine months or so with with a back three. So so it's going to take a little bit of time for them to to get used to each other. But yeah, the the hard work starts here for for Steve Bruce and for West Bromwich Albion. Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, Steve Maidley's done a breakdown of the game over on The Athletic. It begins, new manager, new tactics, same result. Uh, you can head to theathletic.com forward slash league show for a third offer subscription if you're not already with us. And then you can look at all those kind of uh, tactical breakdowns. Always really fascinating. You mentioned the red card as well, Clarky. Sixth one for West Brom which is worse than Arsenal, <laughs> unbelievably. Uh, West Brom, of course, faced Blackburn on Monday night. That's a massive match, isn't it? Both sides needing to turn their form around. Uh, we'll bring you more on Blackburn Rovers very shortly, but let's move on to Sam's game. He was at the Vitality last night, Bournemouth 3, Birmingham 1. It means Bournemouth back into second place with that win and other results as well. Talk us through the story of the match, Sam, because from the highlights, it looked pretty entertaining. It was a, a really good game. I, th- I think that the first highlight was getting the team sheet and, um, you know, seeing which new players were going to be starting, etc. Just went for, for two. Um, Campwell played really well uh, in a kind of attacking midfield role where I, I remember him being like a wide forward at, at Norwich when he was getting linked to some top clubs. So he's playing more as a bit of a a passer, someone that they can play through, which I thought was quite interesting. But I was really enthused with Scott Parker's lineup because he got it wrong badly against Boreham Wood, went with a really safe midfield. And this lineup, I felt, just had three kind of defensively minded players in it, in the two um, centre halves. And Jefferson Lerma, other than that, two flying fullbacks, two number eights, a uh, front three, very unlike Scott Parker. I thought, and it it made for a really entertaining game. I think partly down to uh, some new renewed hope at Birmingham, mainly because of Lyle Taylor. Hogan's in in the goals and they played a very attacking lineup. Two two wing backs that are are forwards, Birmingham. I've seen Lee Bowyer do it before and I don't understand why he keeps doing that because he changes at half-time every time when they're two or three goals behind. <laughs> so they had a field day in the wide positions. Bournemouth, Christie was great first half. Anthony was great. Reunited with Zamora. Those two were thrilling early part of the season and to have them reunited is another plus for Bournemouth. But obviously 2-0, canter into victory and then Jefferson Lerma does something very Jefferson Lerma-esque oh, and yes. um, gets very himself sent off. Gets himself sent off and then it becomes a really tense finish to the game, which it should never have been because um, Bournemouth were great opening 45 and uh, that incident meant that um, Birmingham had a few chances and it was quite a tense finish, but the right team won. And and yeah, I think having had you know a lot of time to kind of stew over it on the way down, I think Scott Parker got his team spot on, but he's probably not going to be that offensive in every fixture. So it's nice to have the luxury. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and it wasn't even the new players on the score sheet either. Uh, three of their older players uh, on there and Anthony as well. Uh, such a fantastic talent. It puts them back in the automatic places. Birmingham maybe will take hope a little bit from it, Clarkey as well, I'm sure. They're still 18th, clear of danger. It's just going to be, 
you know, a kind of nothingy season perhaps on, on this kind of form for them. On the pitch, maybe, not off it. <laughs> I think well, it's no, a pretty live... oh God, we could do an entire pod on that, couldn't we? Yeah, exactly. I, do you know what? I, I know that they were well beaten here, but, but I quite, I like the the, the, t- the look of the team at the moment. I think Janino Bakuna has brought a bit more um, quality on the ball, a bit more creativity, he's really sharp. And I like the two front players. It's not just about Jukovic and, and set pieces and things like that at the moment. They've got uh, Taylor and Hogan up front, both mobile centre forwards that can do a little bit of everything, really good movement. So so I do think that Bournemouth fans should be treated to some better football between now and the end of the season. But yeah, ultimately, yeah, it's just pedal away in, in mid-table and, 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 and try and build something for next season. Yeah, two teams not peddling away in mid-table are Blackburn and Nottingham Forest. But Blackburn lost uh, by two goals to nil at Ewood Park. Uh, so they dropped to third in the table. I'm really gutted that Matt's not here, actually, because Forest making all the headlines. Their season's kind of gone from bottom of the table to, to almost top. They're into the playoffs for the first time uh, this season. What did they do well here, Adrian? Well, they're very solid at the back. I think that the defenders have been great. Cook and McKenna have struck up a really strong partnership. I think that Bree Samba is back to the Bree Samba of old. One unsavory incident where he got uh, hit by a plastic bottle, um, which wasn't the best. But uh, in, in general, his performance was was decent. And the standout moment of the game, in my opinion, was, was the goal by Garner. Um, lovely assist from Keenan Davis, who we kind of mocked when when they signed him. It's like the striker who doesn't score. But he's made such a difference for, for Nottingham Forest. It, just that presence. Um, they, I've been saying it for years, actually, with, with just Graben as their only real option. He's neither. He's neither unbelievably quick nor big. I think what, what was needed was somebody that was either rapid, that's kind of Brennan Johnson's bit, or someone big, and that's Keenan Davis. And the three of them just kind of worked. I know that Graben's not, not playing at the moment. Mm. Um, Keenan Davis, for me, he's there, Emil Heskey. That's who I think of. When I see him, I just think unselfish, bulldozer centre-forward that defenders hate playing against, doesn't score many, but makes the team better. Um, so I, I think that piece of recruitment, uh, Keenan Davis and, and obviously Cook at the other end, is has just tipped the balance, you know, perfectly for Forrest. And yeah, they'll have their eyes on on Bournemouth now. They're not that yeah. far away from them. I'm sure so they will So I think they can dare to to sort of dream of a top two. Whether they're good enough to get it or not, I'm not quite sure, but, but they've got momentum. Yeah. Brennan Johnson, four goals in five games as well. Really impressive. From a Blackburn point of view, though, they've just won... One of their last five got one point from a possible nine. The goals have, have really dried up as well. Um, ben Brereton Diaz back for Blackburn, but unfortunately not quite, you know, up to up to speed and, and didn't help them out last night. Um, Sam, the, the the red card for for Lenehan seemed quite harsh in real time, and the replay. What, what did you make of it? Well, I, th- I probably feel it was the softest of the three challenges from, from last night uh, in terms of Livermore's and uh, Lerma's were probably were probably worse. So, yeah, I, I felt it was a little bit harsh. And, and obviously that was probably the end of Blackburn's challenge last, last night because of the lack of goals. Um, 
yeah, I'll have to have a look at it, Tony Mowbray, because they're not creating much. There was the speculation about Rothwell and and Buckley. Uh, they've got to obviously knuckle down now. He's got the options of Gallagher and and Dolan. Dolan, who was brilliant, I think, when he came in into the team last season now, but obviously started this campaign as well. He had some brilliant moments. So they have got some other options there and they need to try and get other goals from other sources because Brereton Diaz, can he continue in the same vein he has done this season? Historically, you would say no, but it's been such an incredible story this year that who knows? He he may just have the season of a lifetime, but that they would be the ones I'd be concerned about. Blackburn yeah. five blanks out. in seven now, Faye. Yeah. So yeah, that that's, that's, that's not, not good. that's not great. So yeah, I'm at the game, the West Brom Blackburn game. So on Monday night, so I'm looking forward to seeing it. I think it's a good opportunity for them to sort of cut loose a little bit and and really mm. get at this sort of new look West Bromwich Albion under Steve Bruce because. No matter how much work they do on the training ground, Steve Bruce, you know, working on a new back four, until you're tested in games like they were at Sheffield United, I think I think there will be a little one or two cracks there. So I'd like to see Blackburn be really positive in that game. Yeah, absolutely. QPR two, Borough two, Sam. Points shared at the Kyan Prince Foundation Stadium. QPR stay fourth. Um, friend of the show, Flo Lloyd Hughes, was reporting on this game. She said she'd happily watch another 30 minutes of that game, probably to see if uh, QPR could take all three points, I would say. Ilias Chair's goal was quite something. I mean, in fairness, he was given so much space, but took the touch and finished beautifully in the end. And then, of course, Chris Willock just gifted a goal when Borough tried to play out from the back. I have no idea what Joe Lumley was thinking there. Yeah, uh, overawed by being back in front of that <laughs> vociferous crowd back at his old stomping ground. Um, I've seen one of the most staunch QPR fans in the world, Mark Bircham, say today that that was a bit of a robbery getting a point out of this mm. one. So I think I'll go with Birch on this. Um, Middlesbrough by far the better side. 18 shots to, to seven, um, had more of the ball, hit the woodwork. I think Watmore had a good impact, you know, from from the off. Um, so QPR, quite fortunate to get a share of the spoils. But they, they've been brilliant in the absence of Dieng and, and Chair. I think they won five out of seven without mm. those two, which it was beyond what I anticipated happening because I think Chair's that important to, to Rangers. So they'll take the point and, and move on. But for Middlesbrough, I mean... Just another show of their strength, I would suggest, suggest. Off the back of that brilliant win at Manchester United, people maybe would have expected the performance level to drop. But yeah, it wasn't that case at all. And that's only the second time they've conceded two under Chris Wilder since he's been in the job. So I think there's going to be a lot of tight games to come for Middlesbrough because they don't score an abundance of goals. But I think they'll be on the right side of a, a, a lot of those results. So very impressed with, with them and um, two clubs who, if I was going to put a few quid on it now, I think those two would probably finish in the playoff positions. They'd be two of my four. Yeah, Borough just outside, but only on only on goal difference. So maybe a, a draw suited uh, both of them, really. Um, Stoke 3, Swansea nil. Adrian. Fun fact about Stoke for you. They only <laughs> win when they keep a clean sheet. Uh, that's exactly what happened on Tuesday night against Swansea as well. <laughs> Moves them up to 10th. They're four points off the playoffs. Two of the three goals scored by January additions. And we're not necessarily used to Stoke doing well in transfer windows particularly. They've been quite low key, but they had a good a good window, really. They did, yeah. Um, the kids are all right at Stoke. I think that's the sort of message, really. They're, they're sort of young and vibrant. He's shaking it up a bit. 
Michael O'Neill, and, and I like that. Um, Philogene Bidace was was great in this game, really skillful player on loan from Aston Villa. He scored a scruffy goal, but but was brilliant by all accounts. And I was looking at the the, the ages of the players that were sort of involved in the game. So Philogene Bidace, Taylor Harwood Bellis on loan from City, Dimaggio Wright Phillips, all twenty. Bursick in goal, 21. Tyrese Campbell, Josh Tymon, Ben Wilmot, 22. Jacob Brown, who's having a really good season, scored a cracking goal in the game. He's only 23. So it's a it's a team that, that's got loads of hunger, loads of energy. And um and yeah, when they get it right, they're they're a tough team. Tough team to beat. They they wipe the floor with, with, with Swansea in this game. Um Lewis Baker, I think, put in another good shift. So yeah, all 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 good, I think, from Stoke in terms of this performance. It's just will they keep it up? And and young players, the downside is is that they tend to be a bit bit more inconsistent. But but yeah, they've got the potential. I think a a tale of two clubs who had differing windows. I think Stoke had an excellent window, and I think Swansea didn't do enough business. And I, I thought on Swansea this was interesting as well. They scored twenty nine goals this season. 19 of those goals from Piro and Jamie Patterson. Neither On the bench. Of them, neither of them in the, in the side. And nine assists as yeah. well. Those two have had between them as well. And you look at the side, essentially there's six midfielders in that yeah. team with Flynn Downs in the centre of defence. So lacklustre going forward. Of course, Russell Martin will want to get his own players in and, and get really get that style into the lads with the pre-season, etc. But at the moment... You know, well short, well short. I think they had one shot last night, and and Patson Piro obviously introduced off the bench, but but to no avail. They were they were beaten well in every department. I'd, I'd like to know how he justified leaving those two on the bench, Piro and Patterson, for the game because it, it, I don't know, strikes me as maybe a manager trying to be too clever. I'm a fan of Russell Martin, don't get me wrong, and I, but he is a philosophy guy. He is he he he, he can maybe overthink uh, the tactical side of it and. But but when Sam's just laid out the facts, FA in terms of their their end product, leaving both out of a game like that just seems seems madness. There has to be another reason to it. You would you would think that there has to be something, possibly in in, in training or niggles or or something else. But uh, Swansea TV uh, summed up the match uh, sort of. And there is the final whistle. It was more Delilah than delightful as far as the game was concerned. But it's finished tonight. Stoke City. Three Swansea City men. Uh, my, my, my. Uh, Luton two, Barnsley uh, one. I was at Kenilworth Road. It was an absolute uh, delight to be there. The game was not a delight, by the way. I'm just going to put that caveat in there because it wasn't the best game in the world for sure. Uh, but I took my nephew, um, his first game at Kenilworth Road with fans there, and he was just buzzing. He was shouting the name of every player, trying to get waves from them. Um, he was kicking and heading every single ball on the pitch. He's 12, and that is it. He is fan for life now, which is uh, fantastic. We're obviously playoff contenders now, 2-1 victors in the end. And to be honest I was expecting this to be a rollover I didn't want to be you know particularly you know arrogant about it but Barnsley have been shocking this season yeah. but they were actually decent and and their second goal I know Nathan Jones was pretty unhappy uh, about it and said it was us messing around pretty much was how he described it but actually it was a really well taken goal from Barnsley's point of view and we'd gone ahead with a really scruffy goal that 
you know, nobody. We're all, where I was sitting is down the far end near the Kenilworth Road end and um, just couldn't see who'd got the final touch. It was so scrappy, but it was, at, it was given to Alan Campbell anyway. Um, you can kind of see why Barnsley have only taken four points away from home. But I feel as if they should be in a better position than they were. They, they messed it up at the end. The, the Onya Dimmer penalty uh, was such a blatant penalty. A lot of housery going on there as well. Um, <laughs> it was a good pen, wasn't it? He, it was, he absolutely it was a lashed pen. it into the top corner. It was, it was amazing. It was amazing. Overall, I think uh, James Shea was excellent, keeping us in in the early moments. We had a bit of pressure. But um, I think we deserve to win on the balance, if you like, but we had to grind it out. And Nathan Jones has kind of said, we're at that point now in our championship career where we can find a way to win, even though we're not necessarily uh, playing at our best. Um, Sam, in terms of Barnsley, Neil Warnock's been linked with him. I mean, I know he's kind of, you know, he, he's not kind of, he is a Yorkshire man. <laughs> he's as Yorkshire as they come. Uh, but why would he want to go there? I mean, I, some people are thinking they're unsalvageable. Certainly having seen them on Tuesday night, I don't think that's that's the case. But could you see Warnock going there? I don't think so. I remember when he was linked to to Ipswich maybe 18 months or so ago and he was, I think he was desperate to get to that next landmark. Was it a thousand games or, or whatever? He didn't get that. That, that job, but subsequently went into to Middlesbrough. You know, that's a, a really good club, isn't it? Well supported. And he would have had aspirations to get them into the playoffs. So that that, that opportunity, you, you can't turn down. But I think Barnsley right now, I think it'd be very difficult to go in there and turn things around. That said, love it, love it or loathe it, they've got, you know, a, a number of new players that have gone straight into the team really at Barnsley. So, we, you know, going to talk about it probably later when we go down the divisions, you know, how players can really impact things if you get your recruitment right in January. So I'm not saying Barnsley are going to get out of it, but they may start picking up one or two results just because they've got some different players in there and there may be a bit of a different feeling amongst the group. But that's another reason why I wouldn't appoint a new manager right now. You know, you've got to stick with the guy that they've given the gig to. Wrongly or rightly, he might not be there in the summer. I, th- I think for now, you hold fire and see if they can have a bit of an upturn. Yeah, on that, yeah, six of their last seven defeats have only been by one goal. So they're not shambolic. They're just coming out on the wrong wrong side of, of some quite close games. Um, yeah, I don't think Neil Warnock, this is the job for him. I, I think in the long term, Barnsley need to look at their policy of, of only signing really young players as well. I, I just think you do need a few older heads in in a team alongside you. I know they didn't last season when they were flying, but but this season when things have gone wrong, they've looked a little bit lost and and there are too many maybe too many new new faces as well in the in the side at the moment. But yeah, Warnock, he loves an experienced player. Um so I just I just think that's a bit of a bad fit. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Elsewhere, Fulham six points clear at the top. Mitrovic scoring his 30th goal of the season as well. I think that was his um, eighth in six games as well. It's just incredible. Uh, there were wins for Bristol City over Reading. Cardiff beat Posh 4-0 while Preston North End and Huddersfield uh, was goalless. Uh, with the top dealt with, though, let's look at the bottom. And we come to what feels like at the moment with uh, blue carpets galore, the daily derby. Derby three, Hull one. I kind of have to ask, four points off safety. Is it on? I mean, I know, I know they'd kind of be mid-table if, if you know, the 21 points deduction wasn't there. But he's doing such a good job, isn't he? 
Well, are they a better team than, than Reading and Peterborough? Clearly, uh, over the course of the season, they've been many, many points better off. Four points doesn't seem, you know, unachievable at all, does it? I, I think even if we were into April and it was four points, I would still say it was it was on. So yeah, I, I think I think they've put themselves in a great position. Another yeah, another great win against a a, man, a new manager team in Hull who should be sort of buoyant. Maybe they they're not at the moment. Maybe not as buoyant as they should be. But yeah, no, it was excellent again. Tom Lawrence, lovely bit of footwork to to score his goal. He's been a real talisman, hasn't he? And and the one I wanted to talk about is is Festi Ebersele. And he's picked out Ebersele. It's Ebersele. I saw him in the match against Forrest in the flesh and I was really surprised that Rooney took him off because for me, he was their the danger man because he's got that. He's the one player at Derby that's got power, real power and an electric pace to stretch teams because yeah, he, he's got a small squad of players that they've got limited skill sets. He's someone that offers something a little bit different and... Um, yeah, he had a great game here. Really, really good game. He scored a goal. He, he was involved in another. And um, yeah, I think, well, I would certainly include him in the starting eleven moving forwards, Ebersele, because because of what I just said. He's got a little bit of X factor about him. I, I just think there's there's one or two big reasons at the moment, you know, for, for the success. I just think the collective, actually, mm. you know, mm. just you look at that back five with, with all respect they shouldn't be winning games with the regularity that they are right now in the championship. I, I don't believe. So the harmonious feeling between the group is sensational. I think Belix performances, giving them the composure, winning the second balls. I think to get Plange back on the loan for the season, who's given them a, a focal point. I thought that was a big problem, not having a an out and out striker. And even last, um, sorry, on Tuesday night, Lieber Cannon, I think, has only played at centre-half once before this season. And, and and he was probably the pick of their defensive bunch. Most clearances, most aerial duels won. Yeah, and, and that's only the, the, the second time he's he's played there. So, I, I don't know. I I look at some of the, the, the squad players that Reading have got at their disposal, and I think that, you know, Derby shouldn't really be competing with them. But... You know, the young players have really come to the fore and those um, experienced guys, Curtis Davis and and obviously Bielik are are proving to be great examples and leaders for, for Derby County. And, you know, the second time this is this season that they've won by two clear goals and they've both come in at relatively recent times. I think that shows you they're improving and they're responding to defeats, you know, not getting too downbeat. And that's, again... That's a tough job on the training ground because when you're looking up and you're thinking, oh, that gap's still there, you can get despondent. But they're doing something right. They must be in terms of the coaching on the on the training ground. Man- managing disappointment, Faye, I think is the key. For when you're a team near the bottom, it's not getting too down in the dumps when, when, you, when you lose a game or you don't win a game you should have done. Because it's so easy to look at the league table and, and base your life and your mood around it. If you it, soon becomes, look, it soon becomes yeah. three consecutive defeats and you, you're gone. Exactly. You've got, that, right? They've got, they've got, got, got nothing to lose. That's the thing. Yeah. And, you know, they've, they've garnered this amazing team spirit. You know, I remember when, when Luton were relegated after our 30-point deduction and, you know, we, we went and we won the, the Football League trophy, the Johnson Paints trophy. We, we, just had, we just had something about us that was, this is, you know, 
you know, I, oh God, I was about to swear then. I'm not going to swear. Faye, that, that, <laughs> took us, that took us two years to get to that place though. Yeah, so yeah, we, yeah. we'd fallen yeah. because the, the, the harmony wasn't Absolutely. there within the squad and players had left that didn't want to be there. Uh, and that was all about putting together a good squad that season. You're, you're completely right. But the two previous squads, yeah. you know, weren't in a happy place at all. And I think that's what surprised me so much about Derby with players leaving and so much talk off the pitch that straight away they've been able to, to focus on the football, which is, it seems incredible to me. And Rooney was a player. He was one of them, wasn't he, until recently. And I think that maybe that rapport is, yeah, was was is, is clearly very strong. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a real feat of coaching from Rooney and his staff that they've got themselves in, in this position. And not just coaching, obviously, obviously man management as well, to, to keep that belief going. It's, it's, I think Rooney is performing as well as a manager as Marco Silva who is probably destined to go back to the Premier League. I think they're on a par in terms of what they're achieving in in their roles, uh, respectively, this season. With the Championship dealt with, we'll take a look at some of the key results from Leagues 1 and 2 next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football League Show. couple of League One results of no no one in the top six won, apart from Rotherham, who go nine points clear at the top of Tier 3. Of those results, two of them stand out. Cheltenham 2, Sunderland 1. That's the third loss in a row for Sunderland. But the massive news today is that The Athletic is reporting uh, that Roy Keane has turned down the Sunderland job. The Athletics say he was offered it on Wednesday, but has decided not to take it, right or wrong decision Sam um I, I, I don't know I don't know I think <laughs> as a um as a short-term fix it could have maybe worked well but that said I'd rather have Grant McCann until the end of the season if that was a, a straight choice you know someone who's done it recently but I think we're maybe talking about contract length or you know some other intricacies of of the deal as to why it's fallen down, so I don't know. I th- I, th- I still think looking back, it was it was harsh on on Lee Johnson. I think some of these away defeats have obviously cost him. I think mm. the size of the club and the amount of supporters that come through the gates when you lose six 0 at Bolton, sometimes the vitriol or the disappointment can become too much for the owners, and I think that's why Lee Johnson's paid for his job. But it's clear that defensively they have massive issues at the moment I think going forward they've become a more cohesive team throughout the season but you know whoever comes in needs to arrest this slide because that's the the problem right now but they need to do it why they sacked a manager who wasn't doing the worst job in the world and didn't have a contingency plan is Mm. just is just really really poor and that's where the the venom of the the supporters anger is being directed now towards the ownership 
Absolutely. And you can understand that. You ha- you have to have that plan in place. You mentioned Grant McCann there. Alex Neal has also been mentioned. Uh, former Nottingham Forest boss Sabri Lamushi as well, among some others. Um, Adrian, who would you pick out of that list? Uh, Grant McCann. Yeah, I think I think he fits better with the, the philosophy that, that Lee Johnson had, um, which is the club philosophy, apparently. So, so yeah, that's why I was slightly surprised that Roy Keane was was so in the frame because he would have played it his own way. It would have been a, a sort of going against their long-term thinking. I think Grant McCann would fit in. He, he's he's up to speed, isn't he? Not in that division, I know, but, but he's match fit in terms of management. I think he'd be ready to go. Um, so yeah, he would he would be my choice. I completely agree with Sam. The the ownership there, the the people in the positions of power, are inexperienced, and they're bungling it. That's what they're doing. They're bungling it. It's it's they make it. I think it was an emotional decision to get rid of Lee Johnson. They caved in far too quickly to you know the panic of of getting smashed up, you know, in one of the games recently or a couple of of games. And and yeah, the, now they're looking at they're scrambling around, and by which point they've had the caretakers come in, and I've looked at the starting 11s that that, that Mike Dodds has put out there, and I, I'm scratching my head. I'm thinking, does this guy is he really up to it? He's admitted himself that that would he change his team selection for the two games if he had another chance? And he said, yeah, I would. Um, I just think he was parachuted in to a job that well, basically. It, would they have done worse with Lee Johnson still there for the last two or three games? The answer is absolutely not. They'd have probably done better. Uh, and those missed points mm. may well cost them promotion. So, yeah, um, knee, yeah knee they're having a mare. jerk reactions they are having a mare. Uh, Cheltenham, though, first league win since the 23rd of November. They had drawn five of the last six before that win. Uh, so well done to them. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday won Wigan nil. Um, at Hillsborough, Barry Bannon penalty enough for the Owls to keep all three points against Wigan. We go from Owls to Cats uh, because for those asking, last night's pitch invader was taken to the vets and after examination, treated for a head injury and a bite to the neck. The cat has received pain relief, antibiotics, and she's now eating food, which is great news. Uh, it turns out the cat had been missing for seven months. So all in all, some good cat news uh, finally coming out uh, this week uh, from this story. And uh, from cats to stags as we head to League Two, Mansfield have won nine successive home games for the first time since 1973. Three points off the automatic places with a game in hand. There were big wins for Scunthorpe and Oldham as well. Relegation still not decided. More on that later on. And in the top seven, Newport were the only team to lose. Uh, The big headline from League Two, though, Walsall have parted company with Matt Taylor after the club failed to win since December the 11th. Neil MacDonald and Matt Sadler will be in charge of the Sadlers. Apt. Seven defeats in a row. Uh, fans blaming technical director Jamie Fullerton, not Matt Taylor, for the results. Mike Flynn among the favourites for the job, as is Neil McDonald as well. Uh, now, last week, we had a terrible quiz where Sam and Ian Danter had to name the three unbeaten teams in the EFL. So this week, I bring you, after Walsall, name the four other winless teams in the EFL. In 2022. Uh, Scunthorpe. Wrong. No, they just won. <laughs> <laughs> there were big wins for Scunthorpe and Oldham. I literally just said that. Um, I wasn't listening, Faye. Um, <laughs> That's nice see. to know. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, I can't. It's Go on, Clark, too you much go next. There's one really obvious one in the championship you're both missing. Well, Pete Barnes. Peterborough. Right? Yeah. No, no, neither of those two. <laughs> <laughs> Not that obvious then, clearly. Reading. Do we know anything yes, about the year? Reading. <laughs> Reading. One. That's one out of four. How many more? Uh, one's four. Local, local to where I live. Um, You've forgotten where I live, don't you? Oh, uh, FC Wimbledon. Yes, well done. Two more. Yeah. I've stopped playing. I can't, yeah, no, I can't think. Yeah. What about... <laughs> Carlisle? Yeah. No. What about... One in the north-west and one in London. North-west. Rochdale? Rochdale, yeah. Another one in London? Yeah. Leighton Orient. Yay! Correct. Well done. We got there eventually. I don't know how long that came about, but I would say that the countdown clock blew off the wall. <laughs> All um, right. <laughs> uh, bonus points for the three winless Premier League teams, which might end up being out of date by this evening, but we'll see. Watford. Yes. Arsenal. Uh, yes. Burnley. Yay! That was much easier. <laughs> and you're on in the EFL pod. What's going on here? You've got the Premier League bang right. Uh, right, on the way, we're looking ahead to three key fixtures this weekend. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Okay, let's look at a few fixtures uh, coming up. Kicking off in the fields of Yorkshire, specifically Huddersfield, who host Sheffield United. Let's start with the home side, Sam. They're still in the playoffs. Can you see them continuing uh, to cause surprise in this fixture? Oh, that's a that's a big question. Uh, I've always been concerned about Huddersfield's striking options, and that's not kind of diminished as the season's gone on, despite their their lofty position. So, I think that there was just a, a weird anomaly a few weeks ago when they won four three at Reading, and there's not been an abundance of goals since. And after kind of wrote, wrote off their transfer business as very average, and they very they very much surprised me. You know, he's put together a, a good unit who. All seem to know their jobs. They've got a little bit of a sprinkling of gold dust with the the wire players Thomas Karoma, who I know didn't start in the in the last game, but they're a good side. They're a good side. But Sheffield United, fantastic away from home, more points on the road from 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 the Blades, and um, I fancy this to be a very very tight game, and probably one goal will decide it because. Sheffield United, in all the statistics, should be scoring more goals. Yes, Billy Sharp's really informed, but. I see it being really, really narrow victory to one of the sides. But I am seeing a lot of the old Sheffield United in Paul Heckenbottom's team. Basham getting forward, joining in in the um, the, oppose, the opposition's half, like the two overlapping centre-halves used to do under, under Wilder. So there's a lot to like about Sheffield United now. So maybe them by the odd goal. Yeah, it's going to be an intriguing one head-to-head before this season. They hadn't met since 2012. Uh, Huddersfield, 2-1 winners back in August. Uh, on to League One, Dons against Sunderland, Southwest London. Uh, the two not-at-all-informed teams meet at Plough Lane. Yeah, just the 11-hour round trip for, for Black Cats fans. I'm sure that's not really what they fancy doing at the moment. Maybe they won't even bother. Um, Adrian, how do you see this one going? 
Well, it's an opportunity for for Sunderland to to get back into the winning habit, but also an opportunity for for AFC Wimbledon to to do the same because they're vulnerable, aren't they? Sunderland at the moment, defensively, their away form isn't good. So, if AFC Wimbledon are brave and they play with a bit more fearlessness early on this season, I think they had a. They beat Oxford, if memory serves me right. And I think they had a great draw with Bolton, which was 3-3, really exciting. Sheffield Wednesday was 2-2. They they have all these young players, Wimbledon. And when they play with that sort of freeness and uh, basic hunger and excitement to be there, they, they can hurt teams. But what's happened is that they've started to lose games and draw games. And the pressure of having to not get beat the pressure of needing to needing points i think has like restricted them it's it's suffocated their style a little bit and they've gone into their shell so if they go into their shell here sunderland will probably have an easier ride than than they should um, but if afc wimbledon go for it for want of a better phrase i think they can they can uh, prey on some weaknesses with the sunderland team so that's what i'd like to see they need home wins don't they plow lane Everyone's buzzing to be back there, but but they've only had two wins there all, yeah, see, all season, which yet, is the is fewest it? in League One. So I think it's high time they got another. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they if there was a shock here. Well, they've never beaten Sunderland before, so I'm sure they're they're hoping for a shock themselves as well. Uh, Colchester United against Carlisle uh, is the final stop to the bottom of the EFL. Carlisle dragged right back into the relegation battle. Uh, they're away from home against Colchester United, not safe themselves either. Uh, but they are starting to turn things around a little bit, Adrian. Colchester, yeah, no, definitely. Um, Wayne Brown's Wayne Brown's improved it. Um, they're the worse teams, I think, than, than Colchester United. Um, this is a huge game for them. They haven't won at home for ages as well. I think November the twenty third was the last time they won at, uh, at, at the community. Uh, is it Western Homes Community Stadium? I think that's what it's still called. Um, goal scoring, as it always is with the team struggling, is is the issue. Is Freddie Sears or no one really? That's the that's the problem. He's he's been great this season. He needs needs a bit of help um, as a team. They've only scored more than one goal, Colchester, six times this season. You, you, you've got to be putting at least two goals on the on the score sheet a lot more frequently than that to to get yourself up into mid table. So, so that's the challenge for them. All I say is that they're, they're playing a, a Carlisle team that that aren't in good nick at the minute. Um, so it's a chance for them to, to give themselves some breathing space. Yeah, they're in really poor nick, Sam, actually. Keith Millen's cancelled days off for his players, saying they need to fight for their lives. That'll go Do down think... worse, Sam. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you think another change in, in manager is needed? I mean, a lot of the fans are very angry. There doesn't seem to be any creativity at the club. Some want him to leave. Would that work? I always see the same name kind of cropping up David Holdsworth when I when I speak when I look at Carlisle and I think you know that's where you know some of the the, the fingers are being pointed really at the recruitment you know if, if you look further down the table Oldham I think I've had a bit of a go they, they've mm-hmm. recruited players that John Sheridan knows it's slightly different to the way that Keith Hill's gone about it but I think decent pedigree the lads that Scunthorpe have brought in and I think the Carlisle supporters are looking and thinking mm, we're looking in the, the, the bargain buckets uh, a little bit there. So uh, I think, 
you know, it's not a particularly good squad. Clarkey speaks about the goals at Colchester. 8th of Jan, um, Carlisle beat Bradford 2-0 with, um, you know, goals from um, two new recruits. And since then, they've scored one between them. And I think that Amari Patrick's um, got one goal since since that day. But I think that's where the problem lies, the lack of creativity, the lack of out-and-out goal scorers. They have brought in Christian Dennis, who had a, a good period for, for Chesterfield and, and Notts County, if memory serves me right. So maybe he will get an opportunity, but it, it's not looking good right now. And with the upturn in form from the aforementioned Oldham and Scunthorpe, I think we're in for a we're in for a fascinating end to the season. It's going to be a real battle down there. Yeah, it really is. Uh, Producer Abby, tell us all the odds on those matches, please. Yeah, thanks, Faye. Let's begin in the Championship, where Huddersfield hosts Sheffield United, and it is the Blades who are the favourites, despite yet again Huddersfield being the higher up team in the table. Uh, Sheffield United six to five, Huddersfield twenty three to ten, and the draw twenty one to ten, which. Uh, Chimes a bit with what um, Sam was saying with regard to it being quite a tight game. If you fancy Sheffield United to win 1-0, that's 6-1. to one. The 0-0 the draw is 7-1 to one, and uh, a home win just with one goal is 15-2. to two. And uh, of course, Billy Sharp on a roll at the moment. Anytime goal scorer at 15-8 to eight with him. Whilst we're in the championship, it's worth talking about a top six finish and getting an update on uh, those results. Uh, Nottingham Forest, Clarkey's backing them to be looking at Bournemouth and uh, try and hunt them down. They are 21 to 10 to finish in the top six, which possibly is good value. Uh, Sheffield United, 4 to 9. Blackburn, 8 to 15. QPR, 8 to 15 as well. West Brom, 4 to 6. So they're still odds on at the moment. Uh, and Borough are are even so uh, no no bets on Fulham and Bournemouth at the moment to finish in the top six as we head into League One uh, Wimbledon Sunderland Sunderland are the favourites 11 to 10 draw 12 to 5 and uh, the home side 9 to 4 for uh, Wimbledon uh, to win that game if you fancy another high scoring draw throw that out there and Clarkey brought brought about the 3-3 that uh, Don's had with Bolton if you fancy another load of goals at Plough Lane that is 45 to 1 uh, huge odds there you never know it could happen again and uh, round things off let's go to League 2 a little bit of a basement battle between Colchester and Carlisle quite big offerings all round Colchester 11 to 8 the Favourites in this one, Carlisle, two to one, and uh, the draw coming in at 21 to 10. Thank you very much, Abby. Uh, for more information, go to paddypower.com. Odds accurate at the time of recording. It is over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Right, to end the show, as we've got both Sam and Adrian on, we're going to play an old favourite of Clarkey versus Parky. Uh, where we ask a question about their careers. Did you just say yes and fist pump? Love that. It should be easy. They were there, but we'll find out how the memory is. Right, Sam, it's 20 years and a day since you scored against QPR when playing for Northampton to salvage a point. But which current championship manager was an unused sub in your team? Championship manager? Yes. I've been there that long. Oh, I've gone completely blank. I remember the game. I went out mm-hmm. in Leicester after that. It's strange, <laughs> oh, well, maybe, maybe that's why you don't remember the night. Uh... <laughs> the, the, the game. <laughs> Wales. Wales? You got it, Clarkey. No. <laughs> there's, only two, there's only two clubs in Wales in the championship. Oh, sorry. So. 
Oh, sorry. Um, oh. Steve Morrison. Steve Morrison. Well done. I would never have got that. I don't, I don't, I remember him cleaning my boots a few times, but um, I don't remember him ever being on the bench. So there you go. Amazing. <laughs> there you go. Chris Carruthers apparently also made an appearance. No relation of mine. Neither is Samir Carruthers, by the way, who everybody always says, oh, who's that? Is that your brother? He weed off a thing. Shut up. Uh, anyway. would never have got that. Good question. Very good question, Abby. Tremendous. Well, well done, producer Abby. Let's see whether Adrian can get this one. Uh, around this time in 1996, you were playing for Arsenal against Coventry. It ended one all, but who scored Coventry's goal? <laughs> Do I get a clue? <laughs> uh, I remember the game was one all. Yeah, I remember. I remember it. it was. It was right. actually my last game in the Arsenal first team. A little anecdote. I saw Dion Dublin in the in the players' lounge afterwards, and he was like, "Clarky, great game, mate. Honestly, brilliant. Really, really impressed with you today. Blah blah blah." And I, I did all right. Seven out of ten, probably. <laughs> Never played again. <laughs> so. Oh wow. <laughs> So there you go. It's just oh, just one of those things. Um, who scored for Coventry? What was the he year? To, he used to play for Leeds. It was 1996. It was uh, if it, if he played for Leeds, it was either Gordon Gordon Strachan who was the player manager, or it was nope. Noel Whelan. It was I Noel Whelan. It... I just told you. Sorry. <laughs> well, I, was, I, I, I thought he might kind of go looking at my face my face was kind of saying it's not Gordon Strachan so he picked <laughs> Noel Whelan which was the other one but bearing in mind you both told me anecdotes as opposed to the actual answers straight away and you both also uh, needed clues then I'm going to say it's a draw uh, a nil-nil draw not even going to a point for that yeah. uh, right. move on <laughs> That is over, as is the show. Matt's back on Monday. Thank you to Sam and to Adrian for their company today. Thank you as ever as well. See you later. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.